0: Another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, reigning champion of FPL, Chuck Bailey, and super producer Ian Stimpson. Boys, boys, boys! It's a new season. We're back.
1: I put my uh, my winners medal on. I'm holding that up for the camera. There, there you go. My little gold. Uh, <laughs> that is- very small <laughs> Ooh, resplendent it was free from a child's magazine uh we're back baby summer's over forget about that no more heatwave bollocks football
0: It's what we <laughs> yeah. want oh man how's Posh islandian let's uh let's get that out of the way
1: nice and early Wow. uh taking a uh, trip to dreary town fucking early jesus say, christ uh, league 1
2: we've lost players Woo! uh most people are predicting we'll get in the playoffs yay uh yeah i mean, that's that's the end of that Let's move
0: on. Very good. And the fish. are
2: alive.
0: There you go. Chuck, any updates from you? How are you doing? Life. Uh, I had
1: COVID. Um, oh, you've both
2: had COVID, have COVID. Well, I have <laughs> COVID at the moment.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I am the no. outgoing um, Oscar is incumbent yeah. um, of, of the COVID stakes. Yeah, that's about it, really.
0: Yeah. If I do make any really particularly terrible predictions, I'm going to blame it on the brain fog. Mm-hmm. um so you guys can't hold it against me at the end of the year so there you go you know just keep <laughs> in mind that i am in the throes of the covid
2: <laughs> that is going to be a running theme then for the rest of the year now if we remind oscar of anything well, i did have covid do you remember that i did have covid
0: yeah i did have covid i do have covid look at me powering through showing up on an absolute on the first day trooper. of the season with covid yeah a hero some people say hero i say
1: Hero. Thank you. That is a correct word. <laughs> it's to use, been yeah. like, it, dude, it's been like five days now. Stop milking it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. That's, you sound like Emily.
0: No, she, she was like, Should I take off work to take care of you? I was like, Oh, I love you so much.
2: No.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm
2: playing games. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll play video games. It's fine.
0: Ah, well, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We're very happy to have you. Um, We are one American and two Brits, and we try to talk about the Premier League, but often get distracted.
2: For four years now, and this is the fifth
0: season this five. Is the fifth Yes, as many as five. Um, If you're back, great. We love you. We appreciate it. Leave us a review. Tell us a friend. Join us on Patreon.com slash MilesOffSidePod um, for all the good slack and various extra goodies that we will continue to plug throughout the episode. Um, If you found us through our series of very excellent summer fan previews with the Patreons, Chuck, that you've been doing, thank you for that. It's been amazing. We do appreciate it. Um, And if you're new to the sport and you're looking for how to become a Premier League fan, we did have a special Patreon episode with a person who just became a fan last season, kind of going through that whole process. So that's another good one to look out for. But we're here. We're back.
2: Okay. Are we not talking about Wack of the Christie then? Fine. Carry on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah was a bit disrespectful
1: i mean I, i'll take the ego you know my contribution's great oscar you know you went on a ridiculous uh star wars experience and recorded yes. a part of that yeah. on, a, on a football challenge <laughs> and um ian finally got to uh live out his dreams by doing a whole podcast about Wagatha christie uh, part one so far part two,
0: part two incoming as well i've
1: got so many notes still to do <laughs>
0: yeah oh if you did find us because of that galactic star cruiser thanks great we don't talk about nerdy stuff really i mean i'll do an occasional patreon thing but you know if you happen to like the Premier league or want to check out soccer stick around you know you might
1: like if it. we're gonna do if we're gonna do uh i guess we could do a nerdy hybrid as we said before it's season five episode five as it were so does that mean this year is empire strikes back or technically attack of the clones
2: um let's go with empire oh, Back. i would like to go with empire strikes back yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we try not to talk
0: about clones. That's that's the mm-hmm. only Star Wars movie I dislike. Which, Fair uh, enough.
1: And good to know that about three quarters of the way through, one of us will reveal they are the other one's father. <laughs> Spoiler alert.
2: <laughs> it's Ian. Age-wise, it's me.
0: It's gotta be <laughs> Ian. Yeah. Daddy! He's Adam P's, uh, Adam P's dad. Are you old enough to be Adam P's dad? You might oh, literally be. Oh,
2: come on. Maybe if there was some sort of secondary school scandal, but that's just an awful thing I to don't think know. about.
0: I don't know. Um, All right. Well, today we're going to be going through a preview of the Big Six Plus Palace, which is all of the teams that had a positive expected goal difference over the last season. Uh, I'm not including Brighton. There were seven teams, but fuck Brighton. We don't care about them. Thank you. If you are looking for more in-depth previews of the other teams, as I mentioned before, Chuck has been going through some of those with our Patreons that have been excellent, but we're going to keep it Mm -hmm. to the popular ones and a bit of the promoted sides as well here. Uh, And we'll just kick things off, going backwards in expected goal difference order, as the natural way should be, uh, starting with Man City. So Man City, 93 points, 73 goal difference on 62 expected, that is an overperformance of 11, Um, came in first, 22 points clear of 4th major transfers in Erling Haaland and Calvin Phillips major transfers out Raheem Sterling Gabriel Jesus Alexander Zinchenko and the one and only Fernandinho boys any reason to think that they won't just run the title easily again
1: yeah because narrative it's more fun this way Um, City are uh, and I I hope I'm not saying this out of line here a very good team uh, and have shown that over many seasons now takes (laughs) Oh, don't touch it. Put your gloves on. Oh, it's hot. Um, so yeah, they probably will win the league. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Is that well, done? But
2: Chuck, you don't have them on. Uh, you know, you don't have them winning on your uh, predictor league. Yeah,
0: curious, curious, Chuck. You're the only one that does not have them in the predictor league in first place. Ian and I do. You have them in second place. So let's make the case. Why do you? Uh, why do you see them not winning?
1: Something to do in it. Something to put, Uh, (laughs) flip a coin. Um, Do you feel like that
2: genuinely? Do you think it's like that close?
1: Well, I mean, we didn't think it would be close last year and Liverpool got it to last day of the season, (laughs) 1.12 domestic trophies, got to the Champions League final. So, you know, even though, I mean, we're starting with Man City here, but let's go on about Liverpool. Um, They are equally great, have equally improved, I think. And so I don't think it's necessarily a done thing, especially with, as we've said many times before, the fact that they really need to. Get that Champions League monkey off their back um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. get that win. Um, I think again, this is the, now the fifth season we're going, and the fifth season we'll probably say they probably need to win it this year. Um, but they're still gonna, you know, they're still gonna dominate. They're still gonna play incredibly attractive football. Adding in Calvin Phillips is a great one. Um, he's, what, 26, 27 in the season. Uh, he's going to improve, and Erling Haaland uh, is one of the most exciting forward prospects in world football at the minute. So it would be ridiculous and remiss to completely write them off, but just variants, really,
0: for me. Holland in, Sterling and Jesus out. Is that a, a replacement? Is that an improvement? Obviously, it's not like for like, because both of those guys tend to play a little wider, but is that is he going to make their attack even better or is he just going to add a different sort of dimension to it do you think than what they had and i'll throw to ian here
2: well that i mean we've it's been that thing that we've we've said as a lot of people have said that man city lacked the traditional number nine and it hasn't mattered and then you've got a player who scored practically won a game in, uh, in, in the bundesliga and mm-hmm. you know you do hear about the sort of bundesliga tax uh, where you know the, the Premier League is a slight step up, although I, th- I find that a little bit condescending to the Bundesliga. It's not a complete fucking farmers'
1: league, is it? It's no, pretty, but it is lower it's, quality. It's just that's just a fact,
0: and and diminishing in recent years as well. It should be said they used to be that's closer a to the Premier League than they are now.
2: That's a fair point. That's a fair point. But it is still a, a physically intense league, and I think even if you were to even if you were to half that rate and he get a goal every other game. You're talking about a team who spread have spread their goals around in the past. You know, last season it was well, it was the same as we said the, the previous two seasons. Mm. I think with players getting, I think uh, De Bruyne fifteen goals, Sterling thirteen, and I think someone else was on double figures. It goes, you know, they they, they really spread them around. They've potentially got a focal point now. Include, but you know, plus all that stuff because yeah. I think Sterling and, and Jesus are both losses without a doubt, but I think you've I think we'll see Grealish's second season be fairly pivotal, I think. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. if he does what players under Guardiola tend to do, yep. then I think it will be pretty hard to beat them. I don't know if that's putting that all on one player, but he was a, he was an expensive player. He's incredibly He's incredibly dynamic with his, you know, runs forward into the final third, ball carrying and that. And I just think with ha- Haaland on the end of those those uh, opportunities that Grealish will make, could, it, mm-hmm. you know, if Grealish hits the ground running this season, I think it Man City could be completely yep. unstoppable, over 100 goals type scenario, you know. Yeah. I think I think it could be silly.
0: I think 100 goals is definitely in play. Um, I mean, Haaland take this with a million grains of salt because it's summer, but like he did score 11 minutes into his debut and it was against Munich. Yes. I think, right. Wasn't it against Bayern Munich? Like it was against a real team, not an MLS team. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Is there any concern that he won't fit tactically? How's his ball retention, his build-up buildup plays? He seems to be more of a big, fast get in behind and score kind of guy. Do we think that Pep can like get him early enough? He's only 22. So like, he's going to be tactically pliable, let's say moldable. Um, And I could see him, Foden, and Grealish really taking off at the front. Um, But Chuck, do you think that there's any reason to think that he might not fit tactically with them? Or do you think that it's just going to be a nice plug and play and kind of do the old Aguero stuff?
1: Um, I think in certain ways it's going to be an irrelevance if he doesn't get the style because he does have the quality and good enough, um, to, to just make it work. And, you know, he is six foot four. He is lightning fast. He is massive, um, has strength and is very intelligent and has great movement in the box. And so I think that part of his game. And an
2: incredible finisher overperforms his XG all the time on top of all, everything you've just said.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think if City get to that same kind of way of get to the byline, make cuts, but cutting the ball back and that kind of stuff with Grealish, Foden, uh, De Bruyne potentially paying balls over the top, Mares um, playing tricky down the wing. Um, I mean, who else have they got? Rodri driving forward, Joao Cancelo if he pushes up uh into the front. Um and, uh, and so yeah i think it. there'll be a bit of an adaptation i think he's probably gonna have as pepper said his minutes managed to make sure he's most efficient because he doesn't need to be running to the ground
0: and he does have an injury history that is yep. should be noted as well mm-hmm. at a young age as well which is always a little troubling to have that many injuries that early
1: yep and there's a lot of fixture congestion uh, especially this year he isn't going to the world cup which helps um, but they also have Julian Alvarez, who's very highly rated, who can come in and still probably almost certainly do a job if Man City scouted him. Um, but I, th- I think the most interesting thing is kind of taking the, the trio of outs, um, uh, maybe to kind of round off this city talk. Cause we're, you know, we're very much treading well known ground here, but I feel like the three outs of Sterling, Jesus and Zinchenko are interesting in that they are to, quote-unquote direct rivals and they're deals that kind of make sense and benefit everyone in a way, um, especially the Sterling one. I mean, I guess this is a bit biasy for me, but last year i pretty sure in this podcast said in last summer that City should sell Sterling for 50 million quid um, because we've said it before, sometimes you need to sell those players at their peak. Um, he is now, I mean, De Bruyne is now the only player that was at City when Pep came in um and wow, i think that it's, that's crazy. He's the only one so this is Pep has managed to build that entire team and got more coming and it's very young. And so i think Sterling going at 27 years old which is still like he's just going into his prime. Uh they paid 50 million, they sold him for 50 million and they've got ready-made replacements so don't miss him. Similarly Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal, we'll come onto that later. I think is a fantastic One, that improves that squad and Zinchenko again gets a chance to flourish more uh, under the Arsenal system. So I think that's really interesting, the fact that... And maybe as a wider comment, Oscar, I know we've spoken about this briefly, but with the cost of players, wages, that kind of Mm -hmm, thing, mm -hmm, pretty soon... I mean, Barcelona and uh, economic levers aside, pretty much (laughs) Premier League teams are only going to be able to afford... The Premier League player or Premier League players are only going to be able to be afforded by other Premier League teams.
0: Yeah, we had been trending in this direction even before the pandemic, and obviously the pandemic finances just fucked everything in so many different places that it contracted the market even more so. Um, other than like PSG, Munich, and Madrid, and through all sorts of dodgy accounting, Barcelona, no one can afford the wages that like Premier League players, even at mid table teams, command, let alone like. At, you know, the big six, um, who Mm -hmm. do pay exorbitant fees and wages to their players. So it is going to be a case of like the market is so small that if you want to sell a player from a top team, you can only afford to sell them really to the other big six teams most of the time. And we're going to, I think we're going to start seeing more and more of this. It reminds me of the mid 2000s when I first came into the Premier League. You would see transfers between like United and Chelsea or Chelsea to Arsenal or, you know, all those sorts of teams back in the day. And, I do think we're entering that era as uh, as well now, Like, especially since the Super League didn't happen. Um, that only yet. makes the financial situation yet yeah. for all the other countries and all the other leagues just worse, just worse. And now they're talking about UEFA as being like, well, because of Russia, we might not actually give you all the COVID relief that we planned. I don't know if you guys saw that story from The Athletic, but two billion pounds, I think it was, might have been euros, two billion is still a massive number. Um, of planned COVID relief, they're kind of being like, well, you know, the global economy, blah. they're like backtracking on that. And I think that would really exacerbate that problem and just make it even more accelerated to the place where only Premier League clubs can afford Premier League players, basically. Um, And that seems to be where we're headed. But yeah, this does seem to be a case of like, those are win-win for both sides. Like, I think that that is a good sale for City, Sterling specifically, but also Jesus and Zinchenko. Um, and also equally good purchases for the clubs that they went to. So I, I, that's something definitely to keep an eye on. We'll see. There's a lot of transfer window left. We're starting the season early, but the transfer window is going to the regular mm-hmm. time. So we're going to be like
1: several, several yeah. games in. Bulked up by, I mean, so many teams went on international tours. I think that maybe they're, you know, prearranged from a few years ago and postponed um we've got the increase the rule changes with uh five subs now in the premier League. The last one to kind of bring that in um obviously the increase in competitions early um all of the champions league group stages are basically done by november yeah Um, because of the
0: world cup in the middle of the year really like fucks the schedule completely in a bunch of different ways
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot going on and a lot of impetus on clubs to get stuff done early. That even now, like you said, there's still what is it? Isn't it first of September the window closes? Um, yeah. And according to uh, Transfermarket. Com, uh, Premier League spending is over a billion already. So.
2: <laughs> and we'll be we'll be five games into the season by the time that happens, but clubs will have been able to five games is a decent. Mm. a a relatively decent sample size to assess where you're at and what 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 weaknesses you've got early on you know that's that's that there's going to be time for clubs to go shit we were in trouble here let's fix this you know where it was you maybe don't always get quite that level of time
0: yeah i mean five games is about where i start to actually look at the xg numbers as hinting towards a trend you know 10 games is really like the the sort of stated like this is when the xg is true or not true but you know what i mean um, but five is when you start to like reasonably look at it and say, like, this might be telling us some stuff.
1: Especially with the richer clubs, um, and maybe we'll see this a bit with Newcastle, who relative to expectation have been quite quiet, um, you mm-hmm. might see where clubs that are in leagues that are potentially not going to be as lucrative, um, such as your Liga Um, lower down in the Bundesliga, La Liga, that kind of thing. That's kind of when the brinkmanship of the Premier League money kind of comes off. You know, they start saying 20 million at the start of the window, but then all of a sudden you get the structured deals where it's at 8 million and all of a sudden the budgets go a lot further, which I think we'll see quite a lot of activity coming up to that point as well. La
0: Liga especially is in like really dire financial straits right now. Like other than Madrid and Barca's shenanigans –
1: they are in dire financial straits, but just in, in the medium to long term, not in the short term, since they just yeah. sold 25% of their TV rights for the next 25 years to one Incredible. company. And they still have more economic levers they're willing to pull and still can't register all the players they've signed.
0: Or pay the players that they already have signed. Yeah. Which is insane. Right. But we could do a whole Barcelona pod. So let's. But let's move on um, to Liverpool, the other sort of title favorite. Um, let me give their numbers from last season, 92 points, uh, 68 ex- uh, 68 goal difference on 55 expected goal difference, so 13 above. Um, they finished second, one point behind City, and 21 points clear of fourth. Chuck, you have them finishing first, Ian and I both have them in second, and only a couple of major transfers, Darwin Nunez in to replace the outgoing Sadio Mane, who moved on. I think that's a pretty like for like, um, other than one is much younger. And to put the Premier League title numbers, according to 538 here, because I didn't want to give it uh, as a spoiler with City, City's at 46, Liverpool's at 30. So those are the two big ones. Um, Mm -hmm. There's only three teams in double digits. uh, And those are the two, obviously, biggest ones. Do we think that Liverpool are going to run closer to City this year? I mean, they were already only a point behind. Do we think City's going to pull away? Do they have a chance? Where do we have them? Um, And I'll start this time. And I'll say that I think that they're basically the same as they were last year. I don't think that Nunez is much of a loss. I trust them to have done their analytics really well because they have shown that over the, the last, like, basically since the Red Sox took over. Um, to do a fantastic job with the analytics, with their astrophysicists running their <laughs> their data departments. Um, that he'll be a capable Mane replacement. We have Jota. We have um, Diaz already in there. So I think they'll be mm-hmm. as good as they were last year. I don't see them having a drop-off at all. And they were the best... Liverpool team of the Klopp era last year, despite the not winning the title, they, like, they were right fucking there. And I think by the underlying numbers, they were the best team.
1: I mean, we, you know, we joked about it in the back end of last season, and obviously it's uh, it's never as simple as this, but they were two wins away from four trophies.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the like quadruple yeah. was very, very close. They were like 20 minutes away from four trophies. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Between like the final day of the season and the Champions League final, like they were, it was right there. Is that enough though? Is that enough, or is the Holland transfer gonna put City on a whole new, even higher level than possible? And I'll throw to Ian first here. Ian, how are you feeling about Liverpool? You have them second. Have you reconsidered? Yeah.
2: Or? but no, I think I think what you know the fact that Chuck's got them in in first, I think is is you know in no in no way mad. It's a it's a very it's going to be a very close run thing again i think um the the own i th- i think the only reason i've gone uh for liverpool 2 man city 1 is is sorry i know we're doing liverpool but is it is man city's defence and how how little they concede anywhere near the amount of of chances um and i know liverpool aren't exactly conceding loads of goals but it's just it's just little things like a few more goals being conceded via set pieces uh, just the odd game where their xgc goes over one. Man City just don't do that. They, you know, they don't concede more than one XG a game. It just it, it so rarely happens. Mm. You
1: know, against some opposition so, they do.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Who would that be, Chuck? Happy moment.
1: I don't know. Four <laughs> points in the league last year, the only one to keep We two might have new listeners that don't
2: know you support Palace and uh that you know, that's something you can hang out yeah, on. Yeah,
1: well 2 0 at the Etihad, yeah, fine guys, don't worry. They sure, only sure, lost three sure. games all season. Yeah, okay, it's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't concede once to them last year. That's fine.
2: But I do think Liverpool's Liverpool's transfer business um has been good because I think and I I even sort of bring uh even though it was last year like diaz into this because he he yep. just slotted in so well and having that half a season now just gives mm. me absolute confidence that he's just going to he's just going to do incredibly well this season and probably straight from you know
1: day dot i mean it's probably why they were happy to just sell Manet like they were they well were, exactly they had to kind of concentrate at this point on one or the other Got Salah the new three-year deal, which I think will cost them whatever it is, 30, 50 million, I think, over three years. Mm. Which, if you yeah. think about it, for $50 million over three years, you can't replace Mo Salah in that team, as it no. were. Mm-hmm. Luis Diaz came in so quick in the position that Mane was in, he'd effectively hold him up. Um, they've got a bit of an injury to Jota, but that'll be sorted after a few games and he can come in.
0: From Bobby, still there, he can do a job in limited
1: minutes. He mm-hmm. can, yeah. Going into the last season as well, that's that's absolutely fine to have him there, and then look at your next forward replacement. And I think they're building things on the fly. And you're exactly right, Ian. Lewis Diaz coming in so hot and getting the benefit of time is only going to be a good thing.
2: And it, it shouldn't be overlooked that they've got they've got young players that are really good as well. Curtis Jones is. I think underrated and really good yep. uh, obviously they bought um, Carvalho Fabio Carvalho Fulham, thank you yep um, which is definitely uh, one for the future what 5 million they spent on well, him mean,
1: that's that was the one where something happened and I think they missed the deadline they actually wanted him a year earlier and right. the classic fax machine unplugged kind of kind of deal <laughs> of meant that they, they missed him. So I don't know if they were – they were probably going to loan him out for that year. But they then a- agreed a deal that effectively Fulham knew that that was then his last season he was coming. Um, again, 19, maybe coming up to 20-year-old, very exciting attacking uh, prospect.
2: But, you know, yeah, this seems to be – I think Liverpool are really solidifying themselves as trying to build an era – and uh, I think that was maybe something that would have been uh, laughed at just just a few years ago. Maybe I know that the Fenway Sports Group have been with them for a while now, but I think mm-hmm. e- even a few years ago, if you know, if you'd have said that Liverpool were trying to build build something, build a bit more of a sort of epoch defining, you know, club, uh, you'd maybe laughed at them. But I think that I think that is happening. Klopp signed a new deal. Yeah, I you know that's I th- that that's huge. You know, and so. I think it. Yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly close again. I just think the the football gods are maybe in Man City's favor mm-hmm. this season.
0: Yeah, and I think the difference for me is that they, Liverpool maintained, but City probably pushed, and are probably going to be even better, um, just because of Holland. Like they like they did striker by committee for two seasons. They had a Harry Kane slash Lionel Messi, depending on the season we're talking about, shaped hole at the center of their defense. They never really replaced Aguero. And I think that's going to be the difference, but I don't think that Liverpool are going to by any means like fall back from where they were. I think they're still going to be like potentially pushing 100 goals also, you know? And I remember talking, sitting here last year during the preview and talking about like, oh, are Liverpool going to fall off significantly because of the age curve? Because Firmino and Mane and Sala are all approaching 30. And they handled that transition perfectly. Like they did. Mm. Sala's really going to be the only one of those three guys who's still starting week in, week out um and they don't seem to have lost a step. We'll see how Nunes turns out, like obviously he's a new player to the league, but even if it's Jota and Diaz as the main guys, once Jota's healthy again, like that's not a that's not a drop off on any level whatsoever.
1: I mean, yeah, if, you know, we say Liverpool maintaining like that would be a negative, that would still only be losing two games and 92 points. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. And coming yeah, yeah, yeah. again within 20 minutes of winning four trophies. Uh, we, we covered it a bit more, obviously, on the Liverpool pod that I did with with uh, Patreon Sam. But uh, Nunez, who's had a bit of a mixed preseason because it's preseason and these things happen, uh, a couple of whiffs of games and then, you know, nailed four against Leipzig. Everything I've heard from intelligent people who know Portuguese football say that he's going to be a perfect plug and play A for Klopp and B for the Premier League because his style is very well matched with the caveat being that uh, he's potentially going to be like Fernando Torres in that his, his style is matched perfectly with the physicality. However, because of that reason, he's not potentially going to last very long
0: interesting okay right. how old is he do you know how old he is i don't know
1: 23 just turned 23 okay
0: so he's got a good few years before he his body starts to show any signs of decay
1: yeah
2: speaking of 23 so is trent every time i remember that it yeah. blows my mind <laughs> yeah. trent alexander arnold is 23 mm-hmm
1: yeah, mad. And they've got, you know, Konate, I imagine, is going to be replacing Matip yeah. and getting more minutes there. Bang, that's an immediate drop-in with Van Dyke. Um, Ian, you mentioned Curtis Jones, they've got Harvey Elliott. Um, if they can keep Fabinho, Tiago, Cater, even last season was coming through a lot better. If they can stay fit more consistently, then they, then they finally get more of a, a midfield and a midfield solidity. You know, we kind yeah. of had centre backs for a year never having the same pairing. We then kind of had last year with a the midfield, there was a lot of inconsistency, it feels like. Now it's just, can it all come together for them to be in a position potentially? We may be jumping ahead and there's not a lot in this, but they want Jude Bellingham, but they're just potentially not willing to spend the 104 million that Dortmund want for him, pounds that is, uh, at the moment. But I can see that happening because apparently they're kind of batting their eyelashes at each other. So then that is then you know we're very much jumping ahead and a year is a very long time in football but that again continues exactly what we're saying just Mm. to get along keep going at this amazing pace and Jurgen Klopp for another four years is is a fantastic thing for them as well
0: yeah absolutely. what
1: a time to be alive
0: so Mm. over under we'll wrap up the Liverpool conversation here over under on the number of trophies they leave at the end of the season 1.5 Ian over or under 1.5 trophies
2: now, now, what exactly are you asking me here? Because so, like, uh, will
0: they win two trophies out of the big, out of yeah. the four, out of the quadruple?
2: <laughs> I don't know whether you wanted an odd situation in which case, I didn't know whether you wanted American. No, no. no. Or so, not. like, over meaning like they'll win two trophies. Under meaning yeah, no. they'll
0: <laughs> over win one or less.
2: Uh whew, Well, there we go. Let's have a think then, because I, I just think they won't win the Premier League, Uh, but they've got pedigree in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Guardiola hasn't won the Champions League in. 12 years um Chelsea (laughs) Brogham so could that be the the thing they like like you said earlier could that be the thing they focus on I'm gonna say no I'm gonna say it although Luke (laughs) cup, FA Cup. I don't know this is I'm gonna say no I'm gonna say no so
0: you're taking the under Chuck are you taking over or under here
1: yeah over, over over
0: I'll take the over as well I think they'll double do two cups somewhere out of the three yeah like last year. So let's move on then to my beloved Chelsea. For the new listeners, I am a Chelsea fan, but I try to be as anti-biased as possible to limited degrees of try. success. I don't know.
1: Tries doing a lot of heavy lifting.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Chelsea, 74 points last season, 43 goal difference on 31 expected. So that's an overperformance of 12 goals. Um, about the same level as City and Liverpool. They finished third, 19 points behind City and three points clear of fourth place. Chuck, you have them in 4th. Ian and I both have them in 3rd in our Predictor Leagues. Um, a very busy summer for Chelsea, both in terms of new ownership and all the craziness that happened at the end of last season, but also in terms of the transfers, we got Raheem Sterling from City, Kaladu Koulibaly, uh, Connor Gallagher back from Palace. He's probably sticking around, it looks like, this season. They are still in the market for at least another two, one or two center backs and probably a center mid somewhere. Um, we have loaned, sold Lukaku, Rudiger's off to Real Madrid and Christensen off to Barcelona, talks of Alonso and Aspi both leaving as well. Um, very, very, very busy times at Chelsea. So I'll save myself for last. Um Chuck, I'll throw to you. How are you feeling about Chelsea coming into this season?
1: Not good. okay, not good at all. Um I think there was a big fanfare and bully kind of moved fairly quickly and seemed like he was doing the right things with uh, the way he was ingratiating himself to various uh, footballing club owners around the, the continent. And now perhaps oh, with a mixture of Tuchel spice, spikiness, um, Barcelona continuing to shake their magic money tree um, and just the natural order of things, kind of hitting a bit of a stumbling box. I mean, it's quite worrying recently. Uh, again, it's preseason doesn't mean much, but losing four nil to Arsenal, yeah, Tuchel through that match with the lineup though he was trying to send a <laughs> statement. But but then you know you, think, you he, think yeah he's he's giving interviews very reminiscent of a Mourinho and a Conte, um, uh, and it isn't necessarily. I don't think it's going to go that well. I mean, we saw how Chelsea dropped off a lot um and i think that's potentially it seems worse because how well Tuchel did so quickly um mm-hmm. getting to every cup final um absolutely smashing it from the january or december when he came in to replace frank winning the champions league that if he hadn't done this this might not, done that this might not seem as bad uh, for him coming third last year mm-hmm. um by by a fair distance um and so I'm kind of worried um, because I think that there's a lot of players that need to shift out, and with the changing of ownerships, I'd be very interested to see whether they then start to go with a complete change in tack of the way Chelsea operate, and then you know embracing a bit more of their their production line um, to not necessarily just go all out spending year on year on year for at least a few years anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, when there's new ownership, though, you usually see like one or two big summers of them trying to be like, look, no, I am committed to here. I am trying Mm -hmm. to like make a splash. And then things will settle down. We'll see that with Newcastle. We saw that when Abramovich took over. So I think we will have a bit of a lot of um, activity in the transfers for the next couple of years. So I don't think that's wrong necessarily. But Chelsea are the only other team with double digits percentage to win the Premier League according to 538. Ian, that's 11%. So not a significant, but you know, non-zero um, 60% to finish top four, which is the best of the not-City-and-Liverpool teams. Um, how are you feeling about our top four slash our potential getting back in the title conversation chances? Where do you see Chelsea? You have them third, but do you have them third closer to Liverpool or do you have them third closer to Spurs slash whoever comes in fourth?
2: I have them third closer to Spurs, Arsenal. I think Chelsea are one of the more Unpredictable teams this this uh, season. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's. I could see them finishing anywhere from third to six. I think six is like unlikely, but I, I could see it happening. I, I bec- just thirteenth in recent memory. Remember that? <laughs> I do remember that.
0: <laughs> but, I try to forget that, but I do remember that.
2: <laughs> I wish we'd have been doing that season. Um, but um, yeah, the the churn. The new ownership—it's been an incredibly tumultuous time at Chelsea. I, I yeah, I do wonder. I think I, I'll keep it brief because I haven't got a, a great deal to say. I, I think you've, you know, held on to one of the more underrated players in the in the Premier League, Mason Mount. Again, I, I think he's great. I think I, mm-hmm. I do go on about it, but I do think he's so good and so underrated. He's your new Mark Noble. He might be. Oh, he yay. might be. <laughs> okay. All right.
0: Not a bad one. Not a bad one to pick.
2: <laughs> um, Tuchel's temperament is going to be interesting this season. If it doesn't start very well, you know we've we've anticipated meltdowns before. Uh, you're, I mean, it might only be preseason, but you're already saying he's selecting lineups to send messages and stuff. You know, I yeah. So as I say, I'll, I'll keep it brief. I find them unpredictable, and I do think they're nearer to finishing third. Than sixth, for instance, but I think it I wouldn't be surprised by anything happening with Chelsea this season. Fair. Certainly to start with.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. I think you I think you pretty much hit it on the head there with saying that like they have the most uh, let's say the widest error bars. Like third yeah. is probably well they'll be, but like there's a a lot of variance there. Um you guys both already kind of made the case for the negative outcome of those error bars, so I won't touch on that too much, although I will say Managers get 18 months. Tuchel usually makes it about two seasons at a place. This is, you know, on the other side of that. So I, I would not be surprised with him not being around by the end of this season. It, like external of anything else other than like that history. I could see it going that way, but I guess I'll, uh, I'll take the, the upside of it because I do think that actually because of how last season went and because of a lot of sort of extra shit that happened, um, people are down on Chelsea more than they should be. Um, which is usually not where I am coming into a season. Well, I don't know. That's not necessarily true. Whatever.
2: Um, <laughs> the words "best team in the
1: world" were mentioned last season. Hey, so. hey
0: we were the best team in the world going into that I season. Had them we first were anyway
1: in my predictor league last year. I still so, think, for the record,
0: go. that um, and this is coming from smarter people than me who do things like professionally. Um, uh-huh. We were the third through fifth best team in the world last year. Still, despite that, where there's just like a a sort of like bias in that we know them and we see them in comparison to Liverpool and City all the time and we don't see them in comparison to Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and other countries. Mm. So people sort of take that for granted. I still think that Chelsea were probably the third through fifth, depending on, you know, who you're asking, best team in the world um, last year. I also think that the reasons for our drop-off last year are reasons that you should not expect to necessarily repeat this year. Specifically, Lukaku coming in, fucking up the system tactically, not fitting, and really kind of destabilizing everything. Now that he's out, and they're going to kind of go back to Havertz probably being the number nine, flanked by Sterling and maybe Werner or Pulisic or Ziyech, depending on the day, how Kalamutza Nodoi is around again and not injured, Um, will sort of go back towards those first six months where Tuchel was around, where we were genuinely the best team in the world for six months. We were better than City. We beat them twice. We beat them in the Champions League final. We were fucking incredible. We weren't conceding more than like 0.4xG for like six months straight. Like, we were the best team in the world for a few months there. And then last season, Lukaku came in, and the injuries to Reese and to Chile and to Kante and to... You know, just like up and down the list.
2: They did destroy the whole system, didn't they? It like, did. It completely like,
0: fucked it. Yeah. And Reese James and Chilwell especially, like, they're so important. And that they're going to be back and probably playing like, you know, you never expect long-term injuries. There's no reason to suspect that they will repeat. Um, if we can get back to sort of taking last season as a weird one-off kind of wash thing, and to get back to that core of players that we had when we made that Champions League run, when we were the best team in the world... Um, which I do think there's good reason to think that we could get back there. Mm-hmm. I think we could be in the title conversation. I do think that I wish I could say that I think we're going to win the title or like be in the race, which I said going into the season last season. I have us third. I have us third. I wanted to put a second or first in my predictor league, and I couldn't because of those error bars, because there is the downside so much there. But I do think that the most likely outcome is third and close to the top two and not as close to the other team sort of lowered down. Um, You also have to remember that those kids, you know, we talked about like uh, Trent's only 23, Mount, Havertz, Pulisic, Reese James, Trevo Chaloba, all those guys are 23 or 22. And like, there's just a natural progression that happens with players at that age, independent of anything else. They just naturally get better at the things that they do. And so there's reason to think that Chelsea will be better. Independent of anything else happening just by their age profile, like those guys will continue to improve and continue to move on. Like Mason Mount is an incredible player. And with Sterling coming in, he's in his prime. He is Timo, if Timo could finish chances. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of good reason. I was listening to Andy's episode about Chelsea that you guys did, and I I was like, I don't, I'm not as down on them as everyone else seems to be. I think people forget how good we were when Reese James and Chilwell were healthy and when Tuchel first came in. Because of the weirdness of last season. And I think if we can stay healthy, um, there's no reason to think that we can't at least be hanging around in the title conversation pretty late into the season. Especially with the age profile thing. The big concern is central midfield. We need to sign a central midfielder. I said that last season. We didn't even get 2,000 minutes out of Conte last season. We didn't get 2,000 minutes out of him a season and a half ago either. He's had injuries recently. He's getting older. Like We need a central mid that can do Conte things and we don't have a replacement for him and we need to go out and find him. We were trying to get Frankie De Jong. Turns out he wants to take 30 million pay cut to be able to stay at Barcelona for some reason. Um, and I haven't really heard many rumors about anything besides center backs. Um, I do think that Koulibaly, and if we can get Kunde, is a good replacement for Rudiger. We still have Silva around. Um, Trevo is, again, a year older, gonna be a year better. So, really, it's the central midfield is the big question mark for me. But I do think that there's a really good case for us being close to City Liverpool and pulling away from the pack of the other teams compared to last season. Am I crazy? No, You're not crazy.
1: Optimistic.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah. I think we've we, yeah we have given a slightly more negative thing. You've given a slightly more positive thing. I think a tilt at the title is too much for
1: me. Here, here's what I think. Like as much as naturally Chelsea might improve. They haven't improved as much as Liverpool and City. Fair. There's still a lot of question marks around. So if you get another centre-back in, which who knows with the Barcelona uh, media machine at the minute, it's all saying that Koundé isn't going to Chelsea anymore. Chelsea have pulled out. He's going to Barcelona. But it is very much uh, they could be just be spinning this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so if you get one more, you still need to understand how those three then work at the base, because you imagine it's going to be a three, uh, especially if one of those is possibly, probably going to be Thiago Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think necessarily you'd have him and Koulibaly in a two, even though no, they're both bad. very good, very, <laughs> very, 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 very high-quality defenders. And I love I love Koulibaly as well for any time. I've watched him for Napoli. Not that it's been a lot. I think he's fantastic. But I don't think you've improved enough... I don't think you've improved as much as Tottenham and we look at Tottenham off the back end of last season with their momentum Mm -hmm. added in with the Conte factor and him getting to have his whole Conte camp. And then I don't think you've got necessarily at the moment, as we see it, you know, as much as we can comment on things being as a, a section of time, I don't think you've got as much of a squad unity and identity at the moment, potentially with each other. Pinch of is much of a muchness here as Arsenal at the minute. Now that's not to say, I don't think, I, I don't think you finished below Arsenal. No, but I think relative, relative to, if we take the end of last season to now, the team out of those 5 that has improved the least I would say is Chelsea. But they've I all made improvements. And yeah, then naturally gonna... you're going to drop down without necessarily getting worse.
0: Yeah, I think they're as a Chelsea it's fan difficult. it is scary to think about how yeah. much better Tottenham, Arsenal and United probably are going to be. So mm-hmm. I don't think Chelsea are going to drop down like you said, but I do I do could see them catching up and yeah, sort the of squeezing is from below. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is a good place to transition to Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham, 71 points last season, 29 goal difference on 26 expected. So that is an overperformance of three, pretty much their numbers. They came in fourth, 22 points off City, zero points off fourth because they were fourth. Um Big signings in Richarlison and Bissouma. Steven Bergwijn, I guess, is the biggest one out, but not really. Anything important? Chuck, you have them third. Ian and I both have them fourth. Uh The big story here, I think, is Conte a full season of Conte, a preseason of Conte. Is he going to get the best out of Kane and Son? What happens with Richarlison? All of that stuff. They scare the fuck out of me because Conte is incredible and has won the title with worse squads than this.
1: You haven't mentioned uh, <laughs> Ivan Perisic as well. Uh, coming in this year. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, right. Clement Longley uh, getting get as a reinforcement. Um, they've still got Kulazewski. They've still got Benton uh, Romero. Well, Benton was permanent anyway, but I think Kulizevsky and Romero are now in the second year of the loan deals they had.
2: Yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was an 18-month or something, yeah.
1: Plus the fact you've got all that time with Conte over the summer, working on their fitness, working on the way they're going to play. He's very much everything And he has set. been, apparently.
2: Vomit-inducing uh, training sessions, apparently. Yeah. Yep. Uh,
1: you look at the 28 games uh, for which Conte was in, Tottenham had the third most points uh, of 56. Um, obviously, Liverpool and City having 70 and 73. But during that time, we saw with Tottenham that there were still huge inconsistencies right up until... The, the back stretch of the season where I mean this is the the fantasy football link there that they were just scoring goals for fun at one stage I mean you go from f- February to 26th four versus Leeds five versus Everton th- uh, two versus Man United two versus Brighton three versus West Ham five versus Newcastle four versus Villa like big scores um and just kind of started to click a little bit more um the same they did that kind of through november as well winning games so yeah i think tottenham are a very interesting prospect um this season and that's that's why i've got them above chelsea i don't necessarily think um because you know these these things can can be transitional that potentially then when chelsea do sort their stuff out and improve they then jump back above tottenham Mm-hmm. Um, but just as we stand right now, as I see it in, in uh, at the moment with the preseason and with how they ended and played under Conte yeah. and that he's been backed and they've still got money to spend. Um, I think they're just going to be great this year. Yeah, really they frighten do. me
0: because they're going to make a jump. It's just a question of how big of a jump and where does that land them? Um, I've generally got a reputation for being down or perhaps unfairly so on Harry Kane. Uh, historically. I don't think unfairly so because I'm just pointing out (laughs) injuries and tactics and like, you know. Um, But when I think back to like that incredible Conte team um, getting the most out of an aging and generally kind of slow Diego Costa tactically, and I could see Kane doing that and just like excelling because Kane is an amazing player, just limited physically and mobility because of his injury history. I don't think that that's unreasonable to say. But Conte can absolutely get the most out of that and build a system around that, especially with Son and now Richardson coming in. Um, That's a potentially a very, very, very scary prospect.
2: Mm. Well, this is it. I mean, even with the uh, start of the season with Harry Kane, his head not being exactly at Spurs, he still ended the season playing the most outfield minutes for Spurs. You know, he he's well. Let's let's take Tottenham summer uh, like. The only negative I can can really see is that I think they could do with strengthening at centre-back, to be honest. But other than that, they've had a really good summer and and Kane's going to be coming into this season well-rested, no tournament. You know, he very rarely either has a rest or has a a, a post-pre-season where his head hasn't been turned by Man City or whatever. You know, we haven't Mm -hmm. had a sort of well-rested, Happy Harry Kane yet? Starting in August, it'll be really interesting to see how that works out. And uh, as as Chuck said, Perisic, um, I think I think they've they've identified issues, they've gone quickly, and now they'll have a pre-season with a, an incredible manager. It's it's all pretty good for Tottenham. And as as we say, yeah, pr- yeah. pressure on Chelsea from from below I can't see Tottenham finishing outside the top four myself I I think you know everything seems to be heading in the right direction for them and I I expect a pretty quick start for them Um, they've got uh, Southampton to start the season then Chelsea but then it's Wolves Nottingham Forest West Ham Fulham I think they'll they'll start fast I think
1: but that's really fun that we get Chelsea so early yeah
2: that is fun yeah you're right (laughs) Like second Tom game. Chelsea second game. Second game it is bang, in. Yeah.
1: Let's see what where they're at. And that's a that's yeah, a, an definitely early statement performance for either team, really. If, based on the narrative we're saying.
0: Yeah. And five thirty-eight has them at forty two percent for Champions League. So that's like the the, you know, solidly pretty high up there. The closest one behind them is Arsenal at twenty eight percent, which I guess will transition there. Speaking of having really good summers and potentially moving up a lot and pushing Uh, We have Arsenal. Arsenal on 69 points last season. 13 goal difference on 13 expected. 5th place, 24 short of City, but only 2 short of Tottenham. Um, Chuck, you have them in 5th. Ian, you have them in 5th. I have them in 6th. I'm reconsidering that. Um, Big names in Gabriel Jesus, Alexander Zinchenko, and Fabio Vieira. Losing only Lacazette and Guendouzi. So, like, not really any major losses. They have had an excellent summer. Jesus is straight in. You know, again, take everything with a grain of salt in preseason, but it's better to be scoring and coming in than not in preseason. Mm -hmm. Um, And Zinchenko is a great, great pickup. Oh, I'm frustrated at how smart of a pickup that is for them. Um, Do we think that they could push Tottenham? Or are Tottenham going to jump so much because of Conte that it won't matter? Because I think Arsenal are going to be a lot better than they were last year.
1: Mm. what's what's good is as well is that their signing their main two signings know the league know each other know what it's like to win it um know the manager because Arteta was at City before so there's a bit of that um and it's really exciting I mean they you know at the minute they're still looking at a few other players and they missed out you know Arsenal fans wanted Rafinha and all of that I don't think that's necessarily was going to be a realistic one um but they've also got very exciting uh right winner in marquinhos uh, william saliba who's been loaned out for the last three years since they bought him is looking great and, and coming in and so i think even more at this point of the the project as it were finally this rebuild of just going and going and going they've got kind of the the squad happiness and vibes that uh, Solskjaer kind of had at Man United whilst also being in the kind of city area of we know how we're going to play, we know what we're doing and we know an effective way to do it um that I think is going to be really fun. I, I you know they I think if they were to get into the top 4 it would probably be because something has gone wrong for a Tottenham, a Chelsea, uh, hell, even if it was a Liverpool or City, you know that would have to be something big going wrong. Yeah, um, massive, but. but but what's what's going to be interesting now is that they have European football again, which they didn't have last year. So they performed mm-hmm. with those numbers without having to worry for for the first time in a while about those trips to really long distance trips to Eastern Europe, Azerbaijan, in some cases midweek, and then and then coming back. So it's gonna be interesting how they deal with that side of, of fixtures this year,
0: for sure. And 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 similar to Chelsea, they are a, a young team that even without any major transfers, which they have had a fantastic summer, you would expect to improve, to just come one year older, one year further along the project, and and one year better. But yeah, I I, I don't see them actually catching up to Tottenham just because of the Conte factor of it all. Um, but they're definitely much much closer than I think I would have expected to give them credit for um coming into this season and certainly like halfway through last season to to talk about them potentially pushing um for fourth would have been unthinkable and now with jesus and zinchenko i think that they might um stimson how are you feeling about them
2: well i think weirdly one of the negatives about arsenal in, in recent years probably for a while now it's been the the toxicity around the fan base the complete lack of vibes and that's
1: the captaincy curse Not, of, yeah, of all yeah, of their exactly. captains. It,
2: the whole thing's just felt really grim, to be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's largely been fixed. The fan base is behind Arteta. As you said, we had uh, a young team and I think the the negatives of last season, weirdly, because the, the young team is what all the fans got behind. Mm. The only negatives of, of last season were things like being a bit impetuous Um, there was a lack of experience sometimes from winning positions uh, that led to them dropping points too often, especially towards the
1: end. It feels bad. I feel like mental fragility, I guess, being in those situations and not knowing how to see it. And that's why I think it's interesting. You bring in Zinchenko and Jesus, who are still of a similar age profile, but are in that winning, like they they know what to do and they they will have faith within the system and to be those consistent points. And that's what I think is really interesting. And they're, they're already, you know, Jesus as well, having the Brazilian connection with um, Gabriel in defence and Gabriel Martinelli, you know, the Gabby, Gabby, yeah. Gabby thing that's become a bit of a joke and a meme. I think that that area is interesting. I'm really looking forward. I mean, as we record, we're about 10 days out from the Arsenal Amazon series uh, of last season dropping and I think that's going to be fascinating. Um, I'm hoping they yeah. didn't do a Tottenham and drop out tons of stuff um, and make it too much about, you know, just one one aspect of it. Um, but yeah, we find ourselves again in this weird area where, you know, we've got an Arsenal team that's that's likeable and you kind of want to do well from a personal perspective, as in a, you know, for the players, if not for the Arsenal as an entity, um, perspective yeah. shall we say because you know they've got saka is incredibly exciting martin erdegaard incredibly exciting emil sifero is um the you know even Jackers sorting himself out relatively these days um mm. and their defense as well aaron ramsdale just coming in and just defying everyone's expectations last year um so if they can do yeah. that again you know it's only going to be good things if even if it's just in a in a footballing sense if not a uh, yeah. an achievement because I don't think they win anything next year
2: yeah I'd probably agree with that although they could have a run at a cup uh, but yeah I, I, I think I'd probably agree with you but yeah, the only reason I was pointing out the sort of youngsters as a, as a maybe a negative from last season, as in just occasionally sort of losing losing points, is that they're all a year older now, and as you say, they've added people like Zinchenko. I think you could happily make Zinchenko captain, job done, and let's you know let's put that whole thing to bed as well. And 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 it it, it could be it could be very positive. I I agree with you. I don't see them. Yeah, I don't see them pushing on to sort of ma- major honors this this season, but I think they'll have a tilt at top four. I don't think they'll make it, but I think they'll have a tilt.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Arteta's a year older and a year better too. Like well, exactly, we've been talking yeah. shit about him, or I guess I've been talking shit about him for for years now. <laughs> but like he has slowly been progressing, finding an identity, getting better at the management thing. That's what happens over time. And I think at some point over the course of last season, he went from not a good manager to maybe a good manager to probably a good manager.
2: And
1: he seems to have been trusted and given some money, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And he had a lot of clearing the decks to do. Yeah, it's evident lot. this this squad now is. I, I don't have the old one in front of me, but from what I remember, it's got to be night and day because, like, I like this Arsenal squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. There's too many
0: players I like. It's not. It's not good. I don't. I don't want to like them.
1: <laughs> Does it feel um, bad inside?
0: Between Tottenham and Arsenal, just to wrap up the London conversation. Do we think that over under 0 point trof- 0.5 trophies for both of them combined, Ian,
2: <laughs> well, uh, um, will Tottenham
0: and yeah. Arsenal win a trophy? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. One yeah. of them will win one trophy? Tottenham, yeah. No, Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. One, one of them will beat Chelsea in the FA Cup, probably. We've lost five of the last six or something like that. We're always in the final, and we don't we don't really win, like, half of them, so. Uh, then from there, let's move on to the, hold on, one, two, three, four, five. Five, sixth best team in England last season, mm-hmm. according to the underlying numbers, and that is ben- the one.
1: Manchester United, surely?
0: No, uh-uh. <laughs> I know you. I know you know the answer to this, and you're being coy, but I'll give it anyway. West it Ham. It is Crystal Palace, forty-eight points, four goal difference on five point four expected goal difference. They actually underperformed. They finished in twelfth, despite being the sixth best team by the underlying numbers. Um, 23 but points short of 4th place That's Oscar, quite a lot
1: I seem to remember This time last year Everyone telling us That we would wish We kept Roy Hodgson We were definitely going down He gave us such defensive sol- You must be Can you just check your numbers again When you say that we were the 6th <laughs> Best team Last year in a rebuilding year Off the back of everyone Fucking writing us off like, yes, fuck yeah. Fuck all of My- you that <laughs> doubted us.
0: So you have him in sixth in your Predictor League. I have him in seventh, yeah, funny. which I had him getting relegated last year. I You're think. an idiot. Ian, you have mine's, him in
1: 11th. Mine's complete bias. Ian's a prick for going bottom half of the table. And I y- do feel like I've gone too low on that, you have, actually. Yeah. When I, yeah, and I, mine is just yeah. numbers.
0: I'm just, I'm like, I'm XG, right? Like, I, I believe in the stats. And the stats mm-hmm. say that they were the sixth best. And I put them at seventh because I think United are going to get better. But big signing in, DeCore. Martin Kelly, the big loss out. I know you're devastated.
1: <laughs> um
0: Go, go. We'll, we'll clear the way. Run. Tell us. Young, exciting attacking team. Vieira, manager. Yeah,
1: because I, I, obviously in the run-up to this, I've done a lot of podcasts with people and we've still got more to come. I don't know where this is going to fit in the, the pre-season pantheon, um, as it were. But Palace is one that I haven't really, uh, re- haven't really spoken about much. I mean... Everyone, I I think there's been a sea change in the perception of Palace for last season. Um, And I think that is embracing what we're about, um, embracing the area in which we geographically occupy in South London, bringing in exciting. Apps, I mean YouTube compilation ballers. Um <laughs> you know yeah yeah Zaha, Eze, Elise, now Malcolm Ebiwe, um Luke Plange is is very skillful as well. Um Mateta is getting a lot better on the ball, bringing in a player like Jack DeCore, who's incredibly highly rated and seems a bit of a, a bit of a coup and potentially using us as a stepping stone, and just having the the pull of Yeah, I still have to pinch myself every now and again that actually – and at the time I was sceptical because I didn't know what he was going to be like as a manager. But the fact is that Patrick Vieira is my manager. Like – very iconic in the time of you know i don't know if you were similar ian maybe because you were a little bit older than me and i'll be nice to you there but like in the formative (laughs) years of of me being around football and collecting sticker albums and that you know arsenal were a dominant force and vieira represented a lot of that and the fact that it is he's in south london he is you know senegalese french black Link, the the link and the connection with with the area and all of these players similarly wanting to come and and play for him is huge and and so I think that's just so fun of how we've done last year with a huge clear out bringing in a lot of new young signings um changing our defense our center back pairings um changing the midfield a lot of the attack And then just building on that this year with more people um, offering contracts to older players and saying, look, the way we're going to operate now is that you can get one year extensions. That's fine. But you're only getting one year at a time and we're going to discuss. And because we need to understand that we're building in a different direction and we've improved on that again, I think, with the signings so far this year. Um, Sam Johnson, I think, is really good as a goalkeeper um to to be the replacement with Guaita, who's gonna be better with his feet. Um uh Malcolm uh Ibue is is very exciting. Vieira doesn't want him to go out on loan. He came to us from Derby. Um they're not happy about that. But you know, he's he to me, image wise, he's just Zaha. Like Ten years ago, eleven years ago, it's it's mad. His his perception, his interview saying people think I'm really like emotional and uh, angry and moody, but I just I just want to win. I just love it. Um, Dakuri, I've mentioned, who seems like he's just going to be able to run the midfield, which we've cried out for for so long, um, sitting at the base of the three to allow a resurgent. Ebereche Eze to come in.
2: Um, oh, I think he's, he's going to have a hell of a season. I genuinely think yeah, he's going to have a hell I of a season. Yeah, I think so.
1: And then, you know, Chris Richards is uh, an American, uh, very highly rated as a defender, kind of one to progress, can cover across the back line, centre-back, right back maybe. Um, he's coming from Bayern, who Vieira's announced like a week ago, but the club still hasn't. Uh, I guess they're waiting on paperwork. And I'm just really, really looking forward to seeing this team and how we did evolve over the season and learn from our mistakes and gradually pick things up and then how we can make an impact um this year so the did you say i put palace in sixth you yes you have them in sixth. yeah part of that is just because i know i can't win the thing and just thought it'd be fun but <laughs> you know like you you can dream at the bottom of that uh, kind of the the Europa, European qualifications and yeah. that kind of thing, but
2: Europa League qualification isn't out of the question. Yeah, but it would require another jump in improvement. Yeah, but that is not out of the question. I mean, Zaha scored you fourteen goals in the in the league last year, and we didn't even talk about it that much. Yeah, like because you had other players who were doing things, and that hasn't been. We've talked about this before. That hasn't been what Palace before. It's Mm-mm. been Zaha plus others. And it's not like that anymore. Uh, you know, it really yeah. isn't. And it's i are not we're, you, you, not, we're you...
1: not a one man team anymore. We're not we're yeah. in a situation that Zaha's going into the last year of his contract. Who knows what could happen, never say never. Um, but we're we're like we're finally in a spot where we'll we'll still miss him, don't get me wrong, but we're not fucked.
2: It's not the cataclysmic event it could have been losing him, is mm-hmm. it?
1: No.
0: And, you know, we mentioned this with Chelsea and Arsenal. They're a very young team that's one more year together and one year older and naturally going to progress independent of anything else just by the very nature of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Vieira was the best manager last season. I think – did he win manager of the year? He probably didn't, but he should have if he, he didn't. He
1: was nominated. Klopp got it, didn't he? I think Klopp might have got it. I don't it, know. Yeah. I never
0: pay attention to whoever actually wins it, but um, he was, I think – what he did last year was incredible.
1: Yeah, he No one, no one expected it. No one expected him no. to be that good. And no, no one I, expected Dallas to be that good. I didn't. I took umbrage always with the we'll be sorry we don't have Roy Hodgson because A, I watched the team under him and B, the stats were all there that we should have been gone for like two, if not three seasons in a row. We deserved to be relegated. It's yep. just a fact. And so I, I didn't agree with that part. However, the flip side was I'd never thought we'd. We'd perform anywhere near as well as we did i mean i've kind of said enough what about what about you guys um kind of coming in and 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 thinking about what what you predict from palace this year
0: i mean i have them seventh and i stand by that if anything no yeah i stand by seventh i I can't really put them above any of the big six um as much as i want to i almost put them in fifth in my particular league i'll have you know i was like very (laughs) very close um just for the cheek but I think they're the best of the rest. I think that outside of the big six, they were probably the best team in the league last year. Um, I mean, arguably better than Man United, uh, maybe not even that arguably. And like I don't see why they would fall off significantly. yeah, um if I do have an area of concern, it is the loss of Connor Gallagher coming back to Chelsea because he really did do a lot for you guys last year, both in his production and his sort of drawing of other opponent defenders out of space and then and kind of bombing in late and all that sort of stuff. Um so how does that affect the tactics? How does that affect the chemistry of the team? I don't know. Um, it might not matter cuz you have so many good players, but it is a question mark, right? And in so far as we're raising question marks, that is one for me.
1: I can I can say what I think based on what I saw last season and especially the second half of last season um from Conor Gallagher that His attacking contribution, you cannot question it, his energy and that kind of thing. However, what we gained in him effectively being a fourth attacker, we lost in the midfield. And his, it's kind of the reason potentially now why I think with his transition to Chelsea... And especially what seems to be, again, I have very limited knowledge of watching this. His deployment in a double pivot—that is—that is setting him up to fail. His, yeah, his I don't think Tuchel's going to No, his on-ball numbers are shit. His his he was in versus midfielders last year. He was in the thirteenth percentile for passes attempted and yeah. the fourteenth percentile for passes completed. So, like, he doesn't pass, and when he does, he fucks it up. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you did get was high energy and a high press. So if he is ever going to be deployed in a free roll, which at Chelsea he will not because Mason Mount exists, that's there. So what I think we lose in Conor Gallagher, we gain in Eze being that player who can be on the ball, who does control it, who can make things tick over, who can be deployed as an eight moving up into a 10 in attack conor gallagher always looked lost if he found himself in a 10 position and the passing numbers show that and show why his distribution mm-hmm. wasn't there as um, they only started six games last season you know that's it, it
2: just six Yeah, he came back from an acl Holy shit.
1: He, he came back from an acl okay so i'm putting palace at fifth let me reverse. it's like
2: having a new player so <laughs> i know they're losing really Conor Gallagher, is. but it's honestly like having a new player
0: so, Ian, you're the one that has them lowest in the particular. You yeah. have them eleventh. Make the case. Make the downside case here. What? Why? Do you I, not I can't think really. That I
2: think. I think that. I think I probably went low there. That's because I don't know. Eleventh in my head felt like progression, but of course, she finished twelfth last season. Now that was over. That was, I mean, over- the, achi- well, was overachieving. You know that's <laughs> progression. Overachieving. Yeah, exactly. It, it was overachieving based on what most people thought they'd do, but clearly the numbers show that it wasn't it was in no way unwarranted so that makes me feel like i've gone low so I, i'm not going to make a downside case to be honest because i think you've got you've got another season with anderson who's great you know you, you you've got um i didn't realize that um mitchell uh, got so many minutes for you last season yeah. Uh, in my head, he was like a sort of more of a bit part player, no, who's one for the future. But he was fuck, the...
1: thank fuck Van Arnholt went because Van Arnholt was holding him back the entire time.
2: Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I so I think eleventh is churlish, and I probably should. Really <laughs> I mean, consider. if we
1: it, we're, we're not necessarily going to focus on these teams a big amount, but I think it's worth mentioning teams like that that sit in that cluster of. West Ham, Leicester, Brighton, Wolves, Newcastle, I guess Villa, uh, Southampton, that it's whether you see the improvement at Palace being more than them. I mean, Leicester at the minute, I've mentioned it a few times on preseason pods, they're still the only team that hasn't signed a player. So they're in a bit of trouble. West Ham have made some great moves um, and have Skamaka coming now on a medical as well as a few others uh, potentially. So... They've also got European competition again. Um, Brighton, uh, for Brighton, you know, there's the Cucurea saga that's going on. They've lost Basuma, who, who was obviously very highly rated. Um, yeah. They've lost their director of football, who had the joined up thinking to go to Newcastle. Newcastle, who now therefore have more of a joined up thinking and the cash to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, villa who they made great moves and early we're forgetting about them coutinho on a permanent diego carlos um Bubakar Kamara. camara um, they're the
0: big one for me villa are the ones that could make the biggest jump yeah. into the european conversation because like especially the second half of last season they were very good yeah um for a mid-table team and like we're gonna see that we're gonna continue to see that coutinho especially being like huge huge for them
1: yeah and then you've got complete unknown quantities in southampton finally spending a load of money and getting loads of new players who knows they'll get relegated <laughs> uh everton leads relegated, relegated. it could get relegated <laughs> or could somehow end up te- you know so there's a lot of uncertainty there and it's and it's always uh, who knows and you can make a lot of justifications mine is obviously team bias um that I I think we're great and I want to be positive and, and see that this year and yeah, we're fun. We've had a bit of an odd one in pre season, uh, because our squads effectively had to be completely split um because turns out a lot of our of our players aren't vaccinated, I guess. Um Ooh, which is disappointing. Vaccinated. Um who knows what their, their reasons are for that um or not, but it's it's not something that, you know, I necessarily Uh, agree with but you know uh, they aren't coming out and being staunchly promoting not being vaccinated i guess is the takeaway you can have and so it's made for a really weird experience where we traveled singapore and australia and played liverpool man united and leeds with effectively our under 23s and i'd argue three of our starting 11 and then the rest of our starting eleven and our new signings stayed at home and played uh, Ipswich, Gillingham, <laughs> QPR and scored like 11 goals and conceded two. And now they're all kind of coming together. So we've had a weird thing that our preseason has actually been like eight or nine games. That yeah. is weird. Yeah. So, Three different preseasons. So way more players have had way more minutes with the caveat that they haven't necessarily all played together, but it's very much uh, the attack were back home. Yeah, you know, Eze, Zaha's, Elise's, uh, Mark Gerhi, uh, Czech DeCore, um, and Christian Benteke, and then Eduard, Mateta, Mitchell, Anderson, uh, Guaita were off on tour. So it's going to be interesting. It's really, really interesting. And we've got Arsenal opening day of the season uh, mm-hmm. under the mm-hmm. lights of Selhurst a on one. a Friday night. I was that's... dead
2: happy when I saw that as the opening fixture.
1: Oh, me too, man. But I mean, you know, Arsenal are a different thing this season, but we're really going to test That's, that's going to be a fun game, a big, though. That's a big big fun test game. test for them. That young team, like we said, they buckled under Brentford last year. They buckled. Exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. They they they're, well, you know, they've had opening night jitters before.
1: And mm-hmm.
2: uh that'll be that'll be in their head. It's impossible not not to be. So, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun.
1: Yeah. It's going to be fucking electric.
0: All right, well, let's transition then to the other... We're skipping Brighton, right? Fuck Brighton. They barely yes. had a... Technically had a positive expected goal difference, but I have no thoughts on them whatsoever. I, mean, them.
1: I, don't, I don't know really what you, what you would want me to say. Okay, um, perfect. Just fuck them. <laughs> fuck them, they're
0: shit. Um, but let's go to technically had a positive expected goal difference on 0.3. So very <laughs> technically... <laughs> was Manchester United, 58 points, 0 goal difference, 0.3 expected goal difference, finished 6th, 35 points short of 1st, 13 points short of 4th. Uh, Chuck, you have them 7th, Ian, you have them 6th, I have them 5th. Two major transfers in, uh, and that's Lisandro Martinez and Christian Eriksen, and quite a few names out, Paul Pogba being the biggest one there, um, but also... Jesse Lingard and a couple of old heads just clearing the way. Some old favorites for me, Nemanja Matic, Juan Mata, and Edison Cavani. Um, Not really important to them in any level whatsoever. But reason, I think, to think that they'll be much better, the new manager and potentially the loss uh, addition by subtraction of Ronaldo, Um, obviously in his whole transfer saga, he who shall not be named, um, this summer, Uh, I have him in fifth. I think they're just going to be better. I think that they have the talent to be a top four team um, and they have not been able to live up to that potential and that talent in recent times for reasons. Um, But I do think that at some point it's going to make sense and they have a pretty good manager now. Mm. Um, Tell me sixth and seventh, you guys don't have them pushing for top four at all, really. Uh, So sell me on why they still are going to suck. Ian.
2: I just don't see enough positives. I, I don't think over where, where other teams have largely had positive summers uh you know I think only, only Chelsea being as yet in the balance uh everyone else had positive Chelsea in the balance man United I'm not sure it is positive I, I think um Ten Hag is obviously interesting, but everything about him is intense and this current crop of man United players have not responded well to intensity at all they they've down tools uh figuratively where wherever whenever they've been pushed and whenever the chips have been down and Ten Hag while he's done obviously very well at Ajax the Eredivis he's not the Premier League. I just, I, I, I don't know what to think about him yet, and obviously this could be the uh, a stage in his in his progression as a manager. But I don't know whether this group of players will be able to do what he wants them to do. I'm annoyed at Man United for robbing us of Pogba's potentially best years. I think that's just, that just annoys me. it yeah, yep, deployed yeah. him badly. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't see enough positives to make me think oh man united are gonna they're gonna push on and and be much be much better this season it's it's how do they respond to ten Hag's methods that's gonna be key i think one player who might do well under him is um it's certainly in comparison is sancho because obviously he didn't set the world alight and i think he's got a decent work ethic and i think he 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 could probably do well under ten Hag. so that could be really interesting um He who must not be named is currently, as you say, involved in, uh, brinksmanship or I don't know what, to be honest, with, with Man United. Obviously, he still wants to, I guess, win things and play, but I don't know. You know, we've, we've said before his situation is very odd. He both, he simultaneously made Man United worse and got them out of the shit so many times. It, it, It was a sort of bizarre situation. But yeah, I just don't see, I don't see universal positives. Uh, from Man United so I'm willing to say they stay pretty much the same
1: fair enough what about you Chuck yeah I th- I think y- you can kind of see what they're doing with their signings at the minute I mean um, they're all Dutch connected um, Eriksen yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> we haven't mentioned Christian Eriksen yet but it makes me so sad that he went there like <laughs> yeah nice. I know. I like him so much. It's fucking Luke Skywalker going for work experience at the Death Star, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he had so much opportunity and, and, and to to go toward not go towards the light, sorry. That's oh oh that's uh maybe that <laughs> ooh, awkward yeah, but, but, rephrase that one I think. No, no, that's staying in. Um it, but it just he he's gonna have a decent impact because he's a quality player and I don't like that and he's also a player I like at a club that I really fucking hate. Um but he uh, he I'm um, he played for Ajax uh, previously, I'm almost sure of it uh Lissandro Martinez is obviously coming from Ajax that God knows what's happening with the Frankie de Jong saga everyone's been convinced of every outcome happening Man United are convinced (laughs) he's going there Barcelona are convinced he's getting a pay cut and Frankie's convinced he's actually going to get paid um which he won't um and so then that that's is that then bringing in enough people that understand uh to Tyrell Malassia as well, who's come from Feyenoord. I can't remember if I just mentioned him. Again, Dutch understands the total football and just having enough of those people impregnated in various parts of the teams, as well as capitalising on a Sancho that might be looking for another fresh start within the team. I guess that's kind of got to be their main thing. Um, Marshall and Rashford have been performing in pre-season for for what that's worth.
2: Yeah, unlocking Rashford could be...
1: Uh, a he's kick. looking you, you, good yeah he's he's looking good and he's just a lovely bloody bloke so you do want him to do well but also yeah, I'll call for him
2: individually absolutely
1: i mean also i've seen like how over how much overhyping they are of it you know they run a passing drill and they're like oh look what 10 ha high's got him doing like you're passing you know they <laughs> yeah. they undoubtedly they're putting in more effort and putting in more energy i saw that in the palace game but from physically watching the palace game knowing the context knowing the players we had and then looking at the twitter discourse like these this, this one and one did not make two they they aren't i don't really don't think they're, they they they've improved. of course they are they're going to improve over the season of course they are but they're not as far down the line let's say as arsenal nowhere near as far down the line as tottenham and they're relying yeah. on chelsea falling off big time as well in order to stay relevant like, i guess
2: yeah really falling as well yeah. because yeah, yeah. yeah i think we're looking at i'll i'll, I'll leave it at here they might lose their top scorer and their third highest scorer last season was mason greenwood
1: Oof. Oof. <laughs> I mean... I mean,
0: if I'm making the upside case, because I have them the highest, I have them in fifth. Here we
1: he go, Red um, Devils and again, Africa. I'm
0: reconsidering that. I probably should have had Arsenal at fifth. But the upside case is the addition by subtraction of he who shall not be named and how he did score goals but contributed nothing else and made everyone else around him much worse. And, like, at some point, like, statistically... The wages that they play and the level of talent that they have in their player pool will just by accident, if nothing else, click at some point. Um, and Jaden Sancho is like such a good player and they haven't gotten anything out of him. That, that like, No, that's true. Like they, the players are there that if they can figure it out, they are a top four in terms of the talent. They could be a top four team easily.
2: Definitely. But these variance things can last can can last years you know yeah absolutely the the dips can last years so we we could be looking at a sort of you know a drop down into mid table for a couple of years and then and then it come and then it comes good who knows or it or it all collapses because the debt is unsustainable (laughs) you know who knows
0: yeah all right fair enough um shall we talk about the promoted teams and just kind of quickly go over where they're at what we think about them not
2: born this yeah we should touch (laughs) <laughs> we should touch on the promoted teams he says not Bournemouth and i think actually Bournemouth is probably the one you could easily skip because i don't see them making any impact
1: at all oh plucky little bournemouth spent a load of money before had anyhow oh got their russian oligarch <laughs> owner hmm wonder why they're not spending well, a load yeah. of money mm. <laughs> well, yeah quite
2: and yeah. Uh, yeah i'm i'm not convinced by uh Scott Parker at all who has either got promoted or relegated in every season as a manager he's never just stayed in the same league
1: oh my god why is he not at Norwich
2: (laughs) yeah he feels like he should be Norwich or Fulham but Bournemouth
1: surely that would be like the two waves would then therefore cancel each other out and like yeah. they could actually stay sustained.
2: They could they could be in a division between the championship and the Premier League.
1: Parker's in a down year whilst Norwich are on an up <laughs> year. We just cancel each other out like like those cruise ships that have the but anyway, science. Um <laughs> Bournemouth of fucking shit. But they've got a Peterborough player, Siriki Dembele. That's good. You got him in the Premier League. Yeah?
2: Do you know what? I'd actually forgotten that. I forgot he went to Bournemouth. Yeah. He he is a decent player. I don't think he's Premier League standard. But he's a decent player, but he's Bournemouth standard, but not Premier League standard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we we should say for the listeners that are like me and only know about the big teams, the three promoted sides, there's two yo-yo clubs in Fulham and Bournemouth, um, up and down, up and down. That's what a yo-yo club is for any new fans of the Premier League. They get promoted, they get relegated back and forth a lot. And one team that hasn't been up here in fucking forever and that is Nottingham Forest. Um who are probably not good enough to do anything if we're being honest as much as that hurts to say out loud Mark Davenport.
2: Bit, bit of an unknown quantity with the amount of people brought they brought in. They
0: barely snuck in. They were they weren't even the third best team in the
2: Yeah, but that don't matter cuz pl- they're in. They're in. Yeah, Doesn't matter. They are
1: in, yeah, but they were worse <laughs> than Huddersfield. Huddersfield
2: who were an incredible surprise in the Championship to be fair but yeah you're you're absolutely right but that's the playoffs for you
1: Huddersfield were tipped for relegation last season I think and they nearly got automatic promotion which is that's, that's big um, they, yeah. that gives me Mad Palace vibes because the season we got promoted, we were tipped for a relegation as well. Um, so, which of the three is
0: most likely to stay up, and which of the three is the most locked to go back down?
1: Well, do you think I'm almost certain all three of us have Bournemouth at twentieth. um Ian's the only one who has tipped all three promoted sides to go down.
2: Yeah, it's it's tricky for me. I, I'll very briefly explain why I think. Probably Fulham have got the best chance of staying up just because of general pedigree. Uh but Nottingham Forest are a bit of an unknown quantity. They've bought lots of good players. It you know, it, it could be really good for Nottingham Forest. They could do a Brentford. It's it's not beyond the realms of possibility, but I have got them all three to go down. But then I think you've got the likes of uh Southampton, who I think who or might be done, and Um, Leeds I like Leeds I like Jesse Marsh and I but I just don't know whether he'll be able to you know after losing the players they've lost
0: yeah Calvin Uh, Phillips uh, is such a big loss for them and And (laughs)
2: Rafinha who's their top goal scorer is just I, I don't know I think they might struggle Everton who Frank Lampard continues to get a free pass from the media for some reason but they definitely could get sucked in Brentford could get sucked in as well because they only improved massively after Eriksen. So sorry, I know I'm giving you a very quick-pitted thing, but no, let's have it. The, the basic, the basics is I think that the Premier League is is the the mid-table is so hard to get into now because of all the the money we've talked about mm-hmm. and, and that filtering down. That I think it's I think it's almost impenetrable. I think Fulham have just got the best chance, and not even Forest are a wild card.
0: Metro is Mitro the difference there? Is that why you think? <laughs> Forty-three goals, destroying records in the I, championship.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say here, and this hurt. This hurts because, on a personal emotional level, like I want Fulham to stay up, but they still haven't really improved enough. I don't think from the championship, and I still have no faith in Marco Silva as a manager. He got, I'm, I remember him getting relegated with Hull. He then went to Watford and was okay for a little bit until then Everton talk came about and then he was awful. And then he went to Everton and he was awful. And so I don't have faith in him as a manager. I've I've never liked him and I've never really rated him. Um, I think out of the three, I, I want Fulham to stay up though, but out of the three, I think Forrest have the best chance. I think Steve Cooper is the best manager. I think they've spent Big and well to kind of have the best chance of pushing. They also brought in Dean Henderson as a goalkeeper on a loan from Man mm, United. That's a
0: great one. That's such a good one. Considering who they
1: lost as
2: well. Like, you know, because obviously their goalie was the hero of the final yep. final. And, three and penalties. Was, you know.
1: Saved three penalties in a penalty <laughs> shootout. Sold. Unreal. I
2: mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to bring in Henderson, I think that's a great move. Yeah. It's, it's a great move.
1: And then I think... Uh, I, I don't like him as a person. I never will. Um, but the, the, <laughs> the Jesse Lingard deal is at least an interesting enough one and enough of a calculated risk that I think it comes off. Um, and I don't I think- mind it.
2: Use a year of the Premier League money to pay a wildcard yeah, you know but like that why not Absolutely. yeah
1: exactly and I think Steve Cooper, Steve Cooper has immense pedigree especially working with young players um, he showed it with the England under-17s they won the, the World Cup he showed it with Swansea they were fantastic the second he moved out of Swansea they, they dropped off and it coincided with Forrest who have been so unstable over the years and, and just mm. uh, wild um, fl- even flirting with relegation I think at one point um
2: well
1: just the way often. they started
2: the season and last season just, bloody hell, yeah I mean. <laughs>
1: their worst start in their 100 and, in 104 years or whatever it is listen to mark Daffin's episode for more i i think they're Me the and ones... mark
2: were talking about being in the relegation scrap early on you know in our yeah. season because we're peterborough not in the forest we right down yeah. there and then i had to watch them just ascend above us it was terrible
1: yeah i think out <laughs> of the promoted teams they're the ones who are going to do the best and they they showed it last year in cup runs. They beat Arsenal. They beat Leicester. Uh, yeah. They played incredibly well against Liverpool in the FA Cup quarter final. Um, so, yeah, they're they're the ones of, of the promoted teams I like back.
0: All right, there you go. Well, I think that does it for our season preview. Just about, unless you boys have anything last
2: uh,
1: last two things to add here.
2: Well, I think Chuck, we should maybe plug the Predictor League quickly.
1: Yeah, a few things. Um, we've mentioned a, a couple of times. Obviously, we're running a lot of bonus pods. You would have seen them pop up on your on your timelines, uh, on your on your various podcast apps. Um, so please give those a listen for for all kinds of different conversations we've had with with fans of clubs. It's been really really enjoyable um, to do. It's so. so
2: good to get like uh, it, nothing like a fan's perspective is there on a, on a club to make you sort of maybe rethink your own opinions on them you know? yeah
1: exactly and you know there's a little bit of uh, fpl kind of stuff in there that, that people are discussing because you know a lot of a lot of you that are listening and a lot of people that we uh, interact with are kind of fpl inclined or at least uh, some form of fantasy sport inclined
0: and we will be doing a big fpl preview next week right that's what our episode is next week
1: fpl preview next week yeah boy um we do have other fpl pods running as part of our uh, patreon uh offering as Oscar mentioned before, patreon.com forward slash miles offside pod. Uh there's all sorts of tiers there. We've rejigged them. You can join us on the Slack. Uh you can get socks. You can get um, uh <laughs> different stat sheets, extra podcasts, there's all sorts of stuff in there and just kind of join in community. You know, we're not we we'd never claim to be experts. But we just do this because we love it and we love talking to each other and we love getting to to speak to you. So join us on the Slack if you'd like a less toxic atmosphere than Twitter. Oh, it's so much nicer. It's what a
0: wonderful little corner of the internet we've built, honestly. I love Slack so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you do still hate yourself, you can follow us at Miles Offside Pod um, and at, on Twitter. And at the moment, there is a pinned tweet on there, uh, which has, as Ian's just mentioned, we've mentioned our predictions throughout, uh, a Google Forms link where you go on there and you just predict where you think each of the 20 teams is going to finish. Um, it's completely free to enter. We'll be doing a prize again, uh, still working it out. We've had a couple of things thrown out. I think. Yeah, we'll do like one of those mystery shirt boxes, maybe like a club voucher or something like that. I'm just laying it down now. Ian doesn't like when I do these things on there because then you know <laughs> he's the money man. Just p- pins us to it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And for the first time, we're we're. I mean, we have a Patreon uh, FPL league as well, uh, but the first time this season, we're running a just an open league for all of you listening, um, sharing that out. So if you do want to join, the auto link again is in the pinned uh, tweet, or you can enter the league code, which is D 63 M. A, um, enter that on your on your fantasy Premier League, and, uh, so and join us. Join so professional us. Uh, what else is there? Anything else? No, that's it. We'll, Outro. I'll
0: be the quiz wizard this year. Yeah, so look out for we're going to be running
1: quizzes. Look forward to loads of extra content coming your way. All sorts. Star Wars previews. Premier League is back, baby. Say goodbye, Oscar. Bye. And say goodbye, Ian. Bye. And as we begin our fifth season, thanks again to our wonderful producers. That is Nate, Johnny, Mark, Sam, Jeff and Andy Pemprez.